Welcome, Screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast. We just got back from howling at the moon with our dads, and we'll be talking about The Northman today, as well as the short but thriving filmography of Robert Eggers. We have some other stuff to talk about first, so if you want to jump right to the Northman conversation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description. But Matt, what have you been watching this week? So it's actually been about two weeks since we did a weekly watch list. Mm -hmm. So I've watched several things. So my weekly watch list is going to be a bit long, but I'm going to try and keep it concise. First thing I watched was Donnie Darko, which surprisingly I had never seen before. It, uh, I can definitely see why it's a cult classic. Um, it's very... It's creepy, but it has some interesting social commentary. The cinematography and like the special effects were actually pretty impressive for the time period. The acting from Jake Gyllenhaal and Jenna Malone were also fantastic. I also had Jerry Trainer in it, which I didn't realize. From iCarly and Drake and Josh fame. What part is he in? He's Fred, or uh, Frank. The, he's the bunny. Oh, he is? Like the real life bunny, yeah. I've never known that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. It's Crazy Steve. <laughs> it's Crazy Steve. <laughs> Cock-a-doodle-doo, the cow goes, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Who wrote that dialogue for Crazy <laughs> Steve? <laughs> that stuff was insane. Dan Schneider, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's Glad- not, not, not. Don't mention that name. Gladly, gladly. Um, name has been redacted. Um, I also saw Massive Talent, as well as multiple Nick Cage movies, which I'm not going to touch on those right now, because we're going to be talking about Massive Talent and Nick Cage next week. Mm-hmm. But I saw Massive Talent, Con Air, and Adaptation Nice so far. All fantastic movies. And then another one I watched for 420 was a movie called High Life, which actually had very little to do with marijuana. Um, <laughs> You're right, it does I mean, they were growing weed plants, but it's strange that they marketed it with a giant picture of Rob Pattinson among surrounded by marijuana plants, because that really didn't have much to do with the narrative. The narrative itself kind of had a good premise. I thought it was cool that... Um, it's about a group of convicts being sent to space to investigate a black hole. And um, with such an interesting setup, it really didn't catch, catch me, or it kind of lost me toward the end. Um, it just kind of got inexplicable for no real reason. And um, it just, it didn't really keep me toward the end. And it was told through flashbacks between what actually happened to the crew and Robert Pattinson and an unexplained baby. <laughs> an um, unexplained... Do you not know where they I come mean, from? I mean, you figure it out. <laughs> so the narrative is kind of cut between the present time with Robert Pattinson's character and a baby, uh, like an infant, which isn't really explained until the events of the movie go through. Um... Like I said, it, it it's kind of a mess narratively, and it, I ultimately I wasn't that intrigued by it. My girlfriend enjoyed it, which I'm glad she did, and she keeps insisting that I kept I missed something when I got up to go to the bathroom. Like I don't think I could have missed anything that would have changed my opinion that drastically, but I respect that she liked it. I'm glad she liked it. Wait, did you watch this at home? Yeah. There was no pausing. I, I don't know. I didn't pause it. I I was up. I literally got up for two seconds. It wasn't. Oh, like, okay. All right. Maybe maybe that was <laughs> maybe that was a significant two I mean, seconds. You never know. I mean, listeners, if you want to check this out, I say at least, I guess it's worth checking out to make your opinion. And feel free to tell me if I'm wrong on this. I will I will gladly eat my words if uh, if I'm wrong about it. I'm glad you specified the baby was an infant, not like the rapper the baby. <laughs> <laughs> What we gotta stop dropping names that we're gonna have to redact later, okay? That's <laughs> yeah, the second one already. <laughs> we got we gotta we can't be talking about all these canceled people. Well, then our our whole Leatherface episode is just done. We can't. We've got to take it off. Yeah. 
<laughs> take that off right now. Um, I watched The Witch in the Lighthouse, which we'll get to. Nice. And one last one I want to mention real quick is um, a movie from a couple years ago called Shiva Baby. Excellent. From, so this is actually my turn to do somewhat of a new-ish director spotlight. Um, so Because this was her first feature film. And um, it's basically... It's got a simple setup. It's about this girl who goes to a shiva for someone who has passed away. And she bumps into her sugar daddy. And basically awkward moments ensue. And, you know, it's uh, an awkward family gathering. It uses, It's such a simple premise, but it uses the most out of that setting. Absolutely. It's funny, but it's truly unsettling at times. Like, I felt more tense in some of the scenes in this movie than I have in some horror movies. The score and the sound really um, emphasize that. You know, there are scenes where, like, she's standing in a group of people, there's people talking over each other, and it's just, like, adding a lot of tension while this awkward moment is happening. And then, like, tense, like, string sounds from the scores just really... um, just really brought the tension up, and then on, at the turn of a dime, there's like a punchline or some funny scenario that happens that kind of eases that tension for a bit until it dials it up again. The acting and the writing was just very witty and fantastic. Um, and it also has a line that I've only heard for the second time, or from the second person in my life, and it's at the very end where the dad loads everyone into the minivan he goes, oh, well, we're off like a herd of turtles. And there's only one other person in the world I've ever heard use that phrase, and that was my stepdad when we were growing up. He would say that all the time, loading us into the car. And I thought that was just hilarious. So um, shout out to Jerry for introducing me to that line before this movie did. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, the movie's (laughs) hilarious, wonderfully edited. Also, awesome poster. Take a look at that. It's not just like the floating heads of every actor that's in the movie, uh, like so many posters are now. Yeah. Tyler. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to that. Tyler, what did you watch this week? Uh, I didn't watch much this week. Um, I did see, uh, I also saw Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, or Massive Talent, or whatever it is now. It's probably just talent now. But I'll get into that next week. Um, I also watched The Witch in the Lighthouse again um, for the in preparation for this episode, which we'll get into. And I also saw my Boston Celtics sweep the Brooklyn Nets this week. So, gotta shout that out. <laughs> Hashtag Celtic sweep. Moving on. Uh, I'm gonna skip week a little watch list this week. Uh, I'll withhold something till maybe the next episode. I've mainly been rewatching things that we're gonna talk about on other episodes. So, before we get into Robert Eggers and the Northman, we still have a couple of sneak previews that we wanted to talk about. The first is the Thor teaser, right? This is not a trailer. Actually, I don't, I don't really care about taking time to d- distinct between these two. Um, I, I'm of two minds on this. One half is like, this could really open doors to getting something different than what we've been fed for so many years now and for so many movies of this genre specifically of this production company which i'm not trying to bash or anything but i do think it could be like a a new kind of flavor within this universe and the other half of me is like this is the first marvel thing or at least teaser that i've seen that just like kind of seemed cheesy like not even like quick and snappy humor like they're it just seemed like cheesy to me i I don't know what did you guys think i um i wasn't as hyped about this after i saw it as i would have liked to be um i mean it seems like at this point marvel is just releasing the stuff because it's obligatory like it's part of the process of releasing a movie you gotta release something as a teaser yeah i don't think there's many people that wouldn't have gone to see thor 11 thunder had this not been released and i feel that way about the new doctor strange teaser too where they just flat out said that the illuminati's in it um i uh so i wasn't much like actually it reminded me a lot of the boba fett trailer from last year where like i wasn't really feeling any particular way about it all that said though i'm willing to get excited for just about anything taika waititi even touches like, he's done so much quality work over the years. Like, 
I have absolute faith that this is going to be great. Are you a Jojo Rabbit guy? I'm 100% a Jojo Rabbit guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like it too. Tyler, what do you think of the Thor teaser? I, th- I think I just have to agree. I think Marvel fatigue is really just set in, and I'm just like, okay. That's <laughs> my response. Like, all right. <laughs> not not more excited, not less excited. I'm just It's just kind of a movie that's coming out. Yeah, and not even the first one of this year. In, in a couple of weeks, we'll be discussing uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but also the filmography of Sam Raimi, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, I... I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not dreading it by any means. Uh, it's not my least favorite Marvel project that is is coming up or was released in the last year. So I think it'll what be is? good. Let, what is? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm confident in Doctor Strange. I hear good things about it. I'm really not a fan of the first Doctor Strange. I don't know. Are you guys? Never saw it. <laughs> I thought it was fine. Exactly. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not a big fan, though. Uh, quick, thumbs up or down, and I guess you would have to say it, for the use of Sweet Child of Mine in the trailer. I'm, I'm, the, I'm here for it. It was fine. It's just thrown in there. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I don't know why it bothered me. It just kind of did. Uh, the other thing that we wanted to discuss was the the trailer for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. This is a new seemingly horror comedy from... Helena Rain. Um, this is not her directorial debut. She did a film in 2019 called Instinct. Um, but it is her English language directorial debut. And it seems to be about friends who are playing a, I don't know, kind of like a, maybe a mafia style game um, or like an Among Us style game and it turns real. Here's what I didn't understand about this and what I don't understand this does connect again to the new texas chainsaw is that in this trailer they made sure that you knew that there's gonna be a lot of like 21st century terminology used in here (laughs) they certainly did i don't (laughs) this is what i don't understand like what's the target here is it like that they're being trying to be so like high-minded in the face of something that's really absurd and dangerous is it the terms they're using i don't i don't know what the target of these comedic moments are i think it's supposed to be like haha gen z is goofy aren't they <laughs> you know i'm a fan of a lot of the uh the actors in it though i know you guys might disagree with me on that yeah i didn't know that that one person was in it and then i saw it and i went Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, that's, 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 I knew it, and that's why I'm not. And you know what? That I'm I'm I am an I am a that one person apologist sympathizer. Okay, so no, but um, a thought I just had about this movie, thinking about this trailer, it's, I mean, we're talking production production companies here. I know a lot of production companies lately are kind of becoming genres of their own, especially A twenty four, which is producing this one. Yeah. Um it's almost it almost seems like A24's attempt to make a Blumhouse movie. If hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, that's I think that's a really <laughs> neat thought, definitely. And I mean I lo- I like a lot of A24 stuff. I like a lot of Blumhouse stuff. So, I think I I I'm optimistic about this one. I definitely want to check it out at least. I'm not 100% sure how much I'm going to like it once I see it, but I'm here for it. You know, I'm kind of tired of these movies that are like, oh, look at our production company. Like, that matters. Like, like Lamb was A24. So, you know, it doesn't mean it's good just because it's A24. <laughs> it's a <laughs> new year. Awful. Let's let it go. <laughs> okay, but Everything Everywhere and X were both A24s also. Uh, yeah, great. But, like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> doesn't... I mean, I get it. They know how to pick their movies. Yeah, if if it gets people to the movies, I see why they do it. I I have a lot of confidence in the talent of this project. I was saying to you guys yesterday, the day before, like, oh, the more I see about the movies coming out in 2022, the more I think it's just going to be an awesome movie year. I told you guys I was not, there's like nothing that I'm dreading seeing. And then I saw the trailer for this, and I was kind of like, eh, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be annoyed by this. Yeah. 
I really hope. I really hope we put this on the schedule. This will be. This will be um, consolation for having to make me watch Top Gun. Uh, that, that's a whole Tom Cruise pod. Exactly. You can sit. So, I have a lot to say, so you can sit back for that one. <laughs> okay, so let's make a deal now. If if I do the Tom Cruise episode, you guys got to put this on the schedule. Uh, when's it coming out? August fifth. Oh, that works out because but... zero things are coming out in August as of now. <laughs> like nothing. So that changes into zero good things coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll no, see I, that. I'm not against this movie. I just can't help how I felt when I watched it, and that was like, <laughs> oh man. That's exactly how I felt. <laughs> so it's like I was surprised at how much I did not like this. I knew as soon as I saw the cast list, I'm like, you guys are gonna hate this. It was well, I'm not gonna lie. That was, that was a big part of it, but <laughs> I don't know though. Maria Bakalova is great. No, Maria Maria Bakalova was not the issue. In fact, I think I said this before. Um, I heard so much hype about her in Borat 2, and I watched Borat 2 like a little bit late, and then within two minutes of seeing her perform, I'm like, wow, she's got it. This is it. And then her follow-up was the bubble, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, she has to be used correctly. <laughs> so well, now you I'm get bodies, bodies, bodies. Really shooting 50-50. It's got the girl from Shiva Baby, too, though, so. Yeah, I said, and there. she is excellent, which is, I'm... In all the women, I am confident, is what I'll say. <laughs> what about Ronan the Accuser, though? He's in it, too. <laughs> sure, him, too. Uh, anyway, I right. only watch movies with Lee Pace in it. <laughs> Alright, we're done with trailers. We're moving on to the main event of the week. Before we talk The Northmen... Let's talk about Robert Eggers. This is his third film. He's had two uh, very successful, very hyped films before this. What do you guys think of his previous two films, The Witch and The Lighthouse? I um, I enjoyed them both uh, quite, a, quite a bit, um, each in their own way, which I'm sure we'll get to. Generally speaking, when I think of Robert Eggers, I typically think atmospheric, authentic... Like authentically written, authentically set period pieces from the set design down to the writing. Like it's just, it's like entering a portal back in time to whatever setting that this period of piece is set. Mm. He usually gets the most he can out of his actors and actresses as well. And one thing I'll say, and I think this is a common misconception, or maybe not misconception, a common thing that I've seen happen with at least both The Witch and The Lighthouse. I think his films are marketed as horror, but I don't really consider them horror. I consider them more like heavy period dramas with some fantastical horror elements. I would say that's true of the Northman as well. Yeah, but um, for me too, the thing both of the both the Witch and the Lighthouse, they took me at least two watches to really fully appreciate, and I think that a lot of that has to do with how you know. They're being marketed as like straight up horror, which I think they're a bit more nuanced than that. Yeah, especially Elevated the lighthouse. Horror. Yeah, <laughs> Elevated, character driven. <laughs> all all the all the pretentious buzzwords. <laughs> but whatever, I like him. Tyler, what do you think? Uh, so I loved both movies. Um, I I saw The Witch very recently. Um, I, I just watched it for the second time right before we started, actually. But um, I saw The Lighthouse back when it came out, and I loved it. I remember I really liked it a lot. And when I watched it again, I, I loved it even more. So I, I really love his the style of, like, it's so claustrophobic. And, like, I mean, in The Lighthouse, you get two characters. And every shot is almost, well, not every shot, but, like, most character shots are, like, these tight shots focused right on them. Um, the Witch as well. Um, even in the Northman, you see that, and it just he just uses lighting so incredibly, where like you have like this darkness, and then just the characters lit up almost. I just I just love the like you said, Matt, the atmosphere he he creates, and with like the period accurate dialogue and stuff, he puts that so much into research and stuff. It just really feels like you're in a different time period, like you said, and yeah. um, I, I think like just his movies are even if you don't like like the story i mean it's just a treat to be in that world that he creates 
Yeah, even when I don't love, and there's only three movies here, even when I don't love, I'm always fascinated, which is the sign of a very interesting and a filmmaker to watch for. I think The Witch is a very well-done movie. Not, like you said about the horror, it's not as much about people facing off against evil, but how people treat each other when in the face of evil, if that makes sense. It also effectively explores faith and like what it means to believe in something that's invisible and for which you have no physical evidence, and how that can open the door to all sorts of ideas and beliefs that are just as believable, but not as true. Um, very, yeah, like you said, it's more of a drama kind of with a horror background than something that's completely trying to scare you. This is a perfect, like, low budget first film so that was a great move by him to make this kind of movie as his first great cast uh anya taylor joy harvey scrimshaw are excellent as uh the daughter and the son and the twins are great as well ralph finnison kate dickey and wonderful performance by black philip the goat who <laughs> is also another character he's terrifying he is the goat <laughs> yeah Goats, I, just, uh, I just just want to point out a little trivia here that uh, Ralph Innocent and Kate uh, Dickey are also in another A24 film, much much lesser, and that's The Green Knight. Oh. Yeah, that, that would be another one that I would want to revisit. I actually thought about that one a lot as I was watching and thinking about The Northmen. Um, similar experience with those ones. Fun fact, you know how it's spelt like the Vavitch instead of the witch? Yes. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Eggers did that because he does super extensive research on the time period and looks at writings and art, different uh, art and different artifacts of the time. Apparently, it was written that way at the time um, because the, the letter W was not in common usage all the time, which I found pretty fascinating. So that was that's a nice little touch, and it makes it stand out, too. Uh, the Lighthouse... This should be a favorite movie of mine. Like Tyler, like you said, it's a super claustrophobic gothic tale by the sea, which is one of my favorite things. I enjoy this movie, but I always expect it to like, like it a lot more than I end up liking it. It looks incredible, astounding. The story is engaging, if not comprehensible. Uh, Eggers has stated that he was more interested in raising questions than providing answers with this film. And he certainly succeeds in that arena. It just, it's just not completely my cup of tea. Like, I like it, and I think I would like to see it more times uh, to maybe gauge it a little better. But it's just, I'm not completely there with it. I usually leave it feeling a little dissatisfied. Apparently, there were a couple versions of the script that made the film clearer as to what was going on. But those were obviously altered in favor of a more... Um, scattershot version i don't mean that in a bad way but nonetheless i was very excited for the northman i have a, a small game for us to play i just and, wanted to go back to something about the lighthouse oh, go real ahead. Quick. i was gonna say the lighthouse is kind of like the epitome of the points that i made about what i think of when i think of eggers like in this movie he really did get the most out of robert pattinson and willem dafoe in their performances and he also nailed the set design, like Tyler was saying, with the claustrophobic dread of where they were located. And I mean, for the most part, it's a pretty grounded story. It's more dramatic than anything, but it's still got the horror fantastical elements with the mermaid and the the meaning of the lighthouse itself, of the light. So, What is the meaning of the light? I imagine it's open to interpretation. Yeah, I, I'm still still figuring that one out. But that, but that's I think what makes me want to, you know, go back to it as much as I do. Yeah, fair. A movie that stays with you is successful in some way. Well, this year, I tried to see if there were more, but I could identify four filmmakers who have their third feature film coming out. And all of them kind of have a sort of freaky, either sci-fi or horror bent. Here are the four. Robert Eggers, Alex Garland, Jordan Peele, and Ari Aster. All of them have their third feature, unless I am mistaken. Tried to find more, like Olivia Wilde has her second coming out. But these are the four, and I want us to call it now. 
by the end of the year, we've seen one at this point with the Northmen, by the end of the year, who do you guys think is going to have the best or your favorite filmography? Ooh. <laughs> uh, you know. Or you can rank them. I don't know. I, I, they're so different, though. Like, know, they're all like kind of like a horror elements kind of, but like... I wouldn't compare Jordan Peele to Ari Aster, <laughs> Robert Eggers. No, but I if look if I have to, you know, I I'm gonna cop out and I'm just gonna rank them. Okay. I'm gonna first say it's a tie between Alex Garland and Jordan Peele. For first. And then for first, yeah. Okay, cool. And then I probably. <sighs> I can't. Um. I gotta go Eggers over Aster. Really? Yeah. Why, Tyler, what I, do you think? I, I think Ari Aster with Hereditary just messed me up, so you know I gotta I gotta give him props for that. Oh, you're giving him points for that. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I would probably do very similar to you, Matt. I would say Garland and Peel are currently my two favorites. And then, I don't know. I hate. I don't want to like put somebody on the bottom of a list. So I. So I won't. I'll just say I think it's gonna be Peel and Garland who are my two favorites by the end of the year. What if Nope's the worst movie you've ever seen? Then it will be Garland, <laughs> unless Men is the second worst movie. <laughs> yes. that I, then it might mess with it. I don't know. We're gonna see. It, it's it's just the music video to It's Raining Men. <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> Tyler, what what was your first? You saying Ari Aster? I'd say Ari Aster, bro. Oh, okay. All right, well. Um, but what was I going to say? Uh, oh, the, the trailer for men does a thing that I hate in trailers, which is just playing the same sound over yes, and over. Yes, yes, I hate that too. I can't stand that. <laughs> is it going to make you jump off the edge of a building? <laughs> and then someone's going to come over and ask us why we drove you to it? <laughs> Getting dark here. <laughs> Can we also point out that they play the red band trailer for men just so that Jesse Buckley can say one F word? Yeah, that's like, why is that? I feel like most red band trailers now just like drop an F bomb and they're like, oh, we need a Whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is a You obscene. can't say that. <laughs> what's, oh, what's the front, speaking of, what's the front runner for the F word of the year right now? Oh, if you give me a second, I can pull it up. Uh, the front runner is still Moonfall with the double whammy. Is that just for quantity or? No, it's what for, else I, do we have? I like the creativity of of the spoken f word, the drive through with the old lady, and then the it written on the side of the ship. What else we have is three five five. Three five five. <laughs> We have a movie I watched called The In-Between, which is like a YA romance on Paramount+. Plus. If anybody watched The In-Between, please let me know, because I think I'm the only one who watched it. That one wasn't very good. And then The Batman, where the detective oh. says, Happy F and Halloween, which is good. Um, not as good yeah. as Moonfall. Moonfall yeah, right. is not going to win anything, but maybe this award. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for the Northmen? Yes, I'm sir. ready for the Northmen. All right, we're going to take a brief break, but we're going to come back after a word from our podcast friends. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my God, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Oh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know. Murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine and Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! 
We are back talking about the Northmen. This is about a man who was once an heir to a Nordic throne who seeks revenge against his uncle for murdering his father and capturing his mother. This is directed by Robert Eggers, written by Eggers and Sean, who is an Icelandic poet. I'm sorry if I say that incorrectly. What did you guys think of the Northmen? Was it what you expected? Would you recommend it? Matt, what do you think? It's about what I would have pictured before I saw any trailers for it. The trailers kind of made it more, look more like a straight up, like Viking action movie, which it was. It had a lot of violence and action, but it it was once again a little more nuanced in a way that a lot of well, Robert Eggers' other work has been. Um, but it still holds up as far as the, for the most part, period accuracy. At least how I interpret my knowledge of that period um he gets a lot out of his actors you know he, it's written very well um and it's again it's like transporting myself into that time period to watch a story unfold and i thought it was fantastic for the most part i will say it was very good objectively it wasn't my favorite of his work though and i'm not like in a rush to go back and see it but again i, I thought it was pretty good tyler what'd you think well, this movie was not what I expected. When I heard like a, new, a director from New England was making a movie about the Vikings, I was like, oh, good, I love a good football movie. <laughs> but, um, no, I actually expected more Viking-like action for it. It was, it was not very Viking. It was at the beginning, and then it kind of became its own thing. But I really liked it. Um, even though I really liked it, it was probably my least favorite Robert Eggers film, which isn't an insult to this movie. I just think he has such a great filmography, how brief it is. Um, but I definitely, um, it was different from what I thought, but I definitely enjoyed it a lot, and I'll talk more about it when we go into spoilers. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in this. I think the structure of the story is really strong, especially in how it deals with uh, demoralization of your strongly held beliefs about fate, the chaotic and, like, endless mess of violence and revenge. All of the elements, or most of the elements in this film, are quite strong, and I liked it quite a bit, but I don't really love it as a whole, and I'm not entirely sure why. I wasn't tuned in 100%. This is a two-hour and 15-minute movie. I wasn't, like, channeled in the entire time. Some of the more cerebral moments lost me, not because I wanted this all to be action or to be, like, a Viking epic. In fact, I think the cerebral stuff is what Eggers is really good at. But for certain parts, the language as it is in most of his other in his other films. The language is so specific that I got lost in some of the monologuing. Uh, I think if I'd had closed captioning or I've watched this several more times, I would have been able to follow along better. I'd recommend this to anyone who's looking for a really fascinating movie, an exciting movie that also has some deeper questions to it. I probably wouldn't recommend this to someone who's just looking for a good time at the movies. It does kind of strain into a little bit more of an artsy direction which again i don't have a problem with but if you're if you think this is just a viking epic i would say maybe don't spend two hours and 15 minutes on it i don't know am i being too harsh there was enough was there enough action to sustain people looking for that do you think i mean if you're looking for a viking action epic no i don't think that's what you're getting here yeah no it there was, was it action was, yeah i was gonna say it was pretty reserved for for what it was marketed as, which I think, I don't know if it's Eggers' fault necessarily, but, like, I noticed this pattern with all his movies. Like, they're marketed as standard genre films, but they're really not. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and I, I can't blame him at all for that. I mean, the cool thing about him is that even though I'm not always completely there he seems to be able to uh, put on screen what he wants to put on screen, something very specific and unique to him, and I think that's great. However, I understand the the idea to kind of generalize the movie a bit because there are some people I know who I think would be sitting in the middle of this movie being like, what the heck is this? I was just kind of expecting Skarsgård to go off on everybody. 
That was definitely kind of the vibe we I got. Me and Matt saw this together, and that was the vibe I kind of got from the audience at our theater. Like as soon as the credits like started, everyone like everyone just seemed to get up and just walk out silently. Like, no one had any yeah. reaction. So. Not a clap. Not even a clap. Well, not I even was... like words. Everyone just kind of like. Oh. Right. That was, there was a movie. no soul clapper like me at Cyrano. <laughs> it was none. I, I was gonna be Yeah, this was. I will say, I'm not. I'm not saying that this movie is devoid of action because it is certainly not. Um, this movie is extremely violent, extremely graphic. So if you're not into that, I wouldn't recommend this either. Um, but I, if you're willing to try. If you're looking to get a little deeper inside of your Viking chop em up movie, then I would definitely recommend this. I think it's a very good movie. Uh, fronted by some very strong performances. Alexander Skarsgård, who um, produced this movie, was very invested in getting it made. He's playing Amleth, who is a prince. Um, and he is, you know, I thought about Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump throughout much of this movie. Because as we know, Lieutenant Dan needed to die in a war. That is his bloodline. That is his destiny. And multiple characters in this movie have the same exact idea as him. Um, and then he finds that his fate has changed. And what do you do when you've expected to die at a certain point? And then you keep on living. And this movie deals with similar things. I also thought Skarsgård did a great job of... Uh, you know, in the beginning we have Amleth at this very, like enthusiastic and effusive child and then once you get to adult amleth he is just closed off he is a one-track mind it's very difficult to like penetrate this character so much so that like and uh, combined with other things it's almost like tough to root for him at certain parts and i thought Skarsgård did a great job of like withholding his sort of like inner workings until it counted I think that's kind of an Eggers thing, though. It's just this protagonist that, like, you're not rooting for. Um, I think that kind of is throughout. I mean, The Witch a little different, but towards the end that changes. But, um, I mean, especially, like, Robert Pattinson and uh, The Lighthouse. Like, you're kind of stuck with this character, but you don't always agree with what they're doing. And I think he used that well in this. Kind of a guy consumed by... I mean, we've seen every single revenge story imaginable. Every tale, every spin of it. But I still felt this one was good enough, like that it was fresh enough to enjoy. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you on that. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy as Olga, uh, who is kind of a, more of a cunning character, using her mind, her wits uh, to, to trick these people who have enslaved her. I think her and Skarsgård have great chemistry, and I think a lot of the chemistry is like, on her part like i think a lot of it is there because she is such a force on the screen i didn't like 100 percent get their connection i don't like what did you guys think of that did you find that believable there was like a missing component there for me uh i mean i didn't have a problem with it i i also kind of felt it just seemed rushed like, almost, like, just because the movie wanted it to happen. Like, there, there wasn't genuine chemistry in the beginning. But, I mean, it worked. It was fine. Yeah, it was enough yeah, for the film. Out. And maybe we can talk about this more later. But, like, at certain points I was considering, like, is she just kind of using him as the greatest tool to, like, escape from her enslaved situation? Or is there more there? I don't know. I didn't really know. We also I, get... I just, I'll go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, I'm just kind of tired of... Um, like English actors doing the Russian accent because it always sounds the exact same. <laughs> Every English actor doing a Russian accent has the same exact accent. <laughs> what, about, what about an American actress doing an Italian accent? <laughs> Are you referring to House of Res Gucci? Results may vary. <laughs> Fun fact, I was on a flight recently and like within one minute of getting on the flight, I was sat down and somewhere behind me was like, they have House of Gucci now. So that was like the premiere movie on the, the in-flight entertainment. I wonder how Ridley feels about that. They just watch movies on planes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so not to get too um, 
topical or, or contemporary here, I know with our movie pod, but just real quick, how many people were wearing masks on that flight? Um, the funny thing was, when I was going, like the, the going flight to where I was going, it was required. So everybody had, I think there were a couple of people who like tried to get away with it and they were like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, okay, yeah, you didn't know. But yeah, then, that, that was me the last time I flew. Or not me. I wasn't the one not wearing a mask. That was that. Yes, was you were. Experience. Uh, but while I was on vacation, they lifted the ban. So then when I came back, it wasn't required. I would still say a good amount of people were wearing them, but like maybe fifteen percent of people in the airport were. Hmm. Uh, back uh. to the Northmen. Uh, we also get Nicole Kidman as the queen, first of. Ethan Hawke's king, and then of Clay's Bang's Fiona. Very interesting piece of casting, because she is playing the mother of Alexander Skarsgård. Now, I don't know if this is a, a coincidence or a piece of absolute brilliant casting, but Nicole Kidman and Skarsgård played husband and wife in the very high-profile show Big Little Lies from HBO. And I think it works amazingly, because... There is some, maybe kind of Oedipal, not exactly Oedipal, but there's some like tension going on between mother and son in this movie. So whoever casted them, very nice job. Here's one thing that I loved about this movie, is that I think this movie, even if it's not 100% there, has very interesting commentary on violence, and this does present itself as a traditional revenge flick right you have somebody who was wronged and they spend years on a quest to defeat to kill the person that wrongs them but at least for me along the way that you can't really root for either person there's not you know most of the film is from the perspective of amleth but i wouldn't say there's like a clear-cut good guy and bad guy here do you guys agree or disagree with that I, I, I 100% agree. I think that goes back to what I said earlier, and that's kind of his style. It's like you kind of start questioning the characters. Like you're on board with them at first, but then like their actions kind of like, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's that's bad. Like why are they doing that? Yeah, and, it, you know, there's it starts out, and you're like, oh, you know, Amleth, hopefully you can do this thing. But then there are so many little scenes and actions along the way until you get to the very end, and you're like, I don't, really know how I feel about any of the possible outcomes that are going to happen. So I was very impressed with that. Um, I think that's an improvement upon, or at least a good deviation from the sort of traditional good guy goes to defeat bad guy to get revenge. The pace, what did you guys think of the pace of this? Did it drag for you at all? Was it engaging the whole time? Uh, Apparently, Robert Eggers wanted a more kind of slower thoughtful version of this but this being his kind of first really large budget film there was more studio interference there had to be test screenings he didn't get final cut um do you think this would have benefited from that or was it good the way it is i i have to admit i was kind of in and out Mm. i thought it was decently paced I, i think some things would have benefited from a little more just kind of character motivations and stuff um especially between um, Amleth and Olga. Um, But I was fine with how it turned out. Yeah, definitely. I I also loved, you know, there's this question in the center of this movie about, is this a quest for revenge or is it a quest to end hatred inside of yourself? Because at times it felt like Amleth was not even motivated by wanting to kill Fjolnir. But he was motivated by trying to like calm his his boiling blood that's been he's just been so hateful throughout his whole life. And he gets warnings throughout, you know, as opposed to um, being violent and getting revenge, perhaps another path kind of could be more beneficial to him. Um, but he is completely completely dedicated to his fate, as he calls it. To that point, I was going to say, I think there's an important line there, and they played it in the trailer, so, I mean, they, they highlighted it enough. But it's when the seer, I guess, I don't know what exactly yeah. he, he was, 
says you must choose between uh, kindness for your kin and hatred for your enemy. Um, and I think he kind of chose both, and which is kind of, well, are we in spoilers yet? Not yet. Okay. Then I won't, I'll speak on that a little later. Just cut that out. Yeah. And one more thing I want to say before spoilers is really interesting questions of fate here of like can you escape fate if you if your fate is fulfilled in what you thought it was going to be is that a matter because it was determined or did you choose to go in that direction and i also thought early in the film it was well established that this seems to be like a consequence of monarchies you know because this does have to do with bloodlines and uh, amleth is the heir to the throne because he is the king's son and it was a great setup for his character because if you grew up like that, knowing that, oh, because I was born being this person's son, then, you know, you if you think that you are chosen by some deity to be a certain position, then, of course, you would believe totally and utterly in fate, right? That's the whole idea of a monarchy is that it is based on things that are meant to happen. Um, so I thought there were a lot of, like, little writing decisions in this thing that were really awesome. Are you guys ready to get into spoilers? I'm ready. I'm ready to avenge my father, I'm ready to save my mother, and I'm ready to kill Fjolnir. Hey, screensavers. This is Matt. I'm just popping into the spoiler break to bring you a special announcement. First things first, if you're new here and made it this far into the episode, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We're glad you're enjoying our show so far. It's thanks to all of you listeners that we've hit a milestone of over 1,200 streams since we started back in November, and we're incredibly humbled by that. To celebrate, we are doing a giveaway of Blu-ray copies of three movies that we each adore. You have Spider-Man No Way Home, Joe Wright's Cyrano, and Michael Cernowski's Pig, starring the one and only Nicolas Cage. To enter, make sure you're following us on social media if you have it. Leave us a review or rating on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, and Spotify. Then, send us a screenshot, either through social media DM or email it to silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. With your submission, just rank the order of preference in which you would like to receive your prize if you are chosen. Once again, we just want to thank you all for your continued support, and without further ado, back to the Northman. Okay, well, we're in spoiler territory now. So in the beginning, I thought it was a little formal between the queen and the king, uh, played by Nicole Kidman and Ethan Hawke. And I didn't think much of it at the time. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's like the formality in that time. I don't know if that's the tradition. But then later on, when we learn what the relationship was like, really, between the two of them, I'm like, wow, that was foreshadowed and set up very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question for you guys. What do you think would have happened if the no-nose guy had, hadn't lied about killing Amleth? Oh, <laughs> would have been a short movie. They would have just found him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, let's go chase him then. He's on that boat over there. <laughs> I just it, it's it's so funny and you know we talk about this all day it's the butterfly effect thing but like this one small decision by a person who like just seemed like they didn't want their pride hurt you know lied about killing this kid when he actually just got his nose chopped off and the kid got away it like leads to this decades long conflict and quest and so many things happen because he just like didn't want to seem like he failed at his job. You think you think at the end, where, like when he was just about to get killed, he was just like, "Oh yeah, I should have probably shouldn't have lied about this." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I mean it seemed like he had a few good years there, just working for Fiona. <laughs> so maybe he enjoyed his life. I don't know. Uh, he he could have had a no-nose wife and a, with a no-nose child. Had a little well, no-nose I don't wanna, family. I don't want to get into genetics, but I don't... Never, never mind. <laughs> I was going to so, say something really adorable. I was going to say that you can't pass down traits that you inherited during your lifetime, but we're not going to get into into that kind of stuff. Um, 
the big action scene, this is where the big Viking chop em up stuff fans would really, really have a fun time. This is the first kind of attack. This is the spear catch. This is Skarsgård scaling the wall, then leaping to chop people down. Did you guys enjoy this scene? Did you find it to be too much? Too little? Oh, I, I enjoyed this a lot. Oh, I love to see the Viking berserkers just going nuts. Honestly, it's just so cool. I don't know if we've just become so desensitized to violence and media, but like, I didn't really think... I, I, mean, feel, I feel like I've seen worse. Yeah, you I know, think, I'm going to be honest. I think that's a bit of desensitization. This was fucking nasty. Oh, whoa, whoa, this, whoa. That was my first swear. Wow. That's my first I one. Bring up, Bleep that. I want to bring up that I think I'm desensitized because I was reading a review that was like, this movie is just research and gore. And I thought in my head, it wasn't that gory. And then I thought about the movie. No, and I'm like, it oh, was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, like, how, how bad is this? There are like several people bad. being eviscerated. Yes. It's like pretty bad. Which it didn't really bother me, but I was like, "Wow!" And I actually thought that, particularly in that scene, you know, we get this tracking where Skarsgård is just like cutting people down, like it's like he's sweeping the floor, like it's a chore, just to be like hacking all these people. And then we get the aftermath where his his kinsmen um, are, you know, taking villagers away. They're burning women and children inside of this hut. And I really liked this statement, at least it seemed to me, about this guy is so driven by his singular vision that he will, one, contribute, and two, stand idly by while all this carnage and this just, like, really awful pillaging is happening. So I thought there was some undercutting of the violence in the movie. Yeah, and I think that plays great with at the end when you realize like the relationship between his father and his mother of just like wow look what you've done for this like yeah you've destroyed so much for something that like just to destroy more honestly like you you weren't saving anyone in the end and he gets an out that we'll talk about that scene a little bit later but he gets the out of like you can start a new life man and it'll be okay and he just like can't let go yeah would it be okay though why would it not? Wait, which out? Um, right, which right, out so let's just talk about the about? scene now. So <laughs> he impregnates Olga, and I thought uh, Anya Taylor Joy did an awesome, awesome job when they're on the scene when they're in the boat uh, going away from Fiona and his people, and she's saying like, hey, "I'm pregnant, and you know we're gonna live a great life together. We have a chance at a new start. You don't." have to complete your quest that you thought you had to and he's like you know he's so happy this is where Skarsgård like really lets it out which I thought was wonderful and then he just keeps going on about how oh the world's not going to be safe as long as Fiona's in it he might get our kids and you just see Olga's face like fall and like perfect piece of wordless acting so that was what I was referring to he had it out there he could have gone away and this is where I was referring to the line earlier in the trailer and everything they highlighted about kindness for your kin and hatred for your enemies. I think this is where he thought he was genuinely making a choice. Like, oh, I'm going to be kind to my kin by taking out the biggest danger to them. I don't think Fjolnir would have been a danger to them. Yeah. I think he was kind of disgraced at that point. Like, he wasn't going to chase him, but his fate was he had to fight him. So, like, in, in thinking he was choosing kindness by taking out the person who's going to threaten his kin, he he eventually, he chose hatred for his enemy. He even says, like, I was told I could choose, and I'm going to choose, like, kind of, like, kind of paraphrasing, but he doesn't. He chooses his fate. Like, his fate was already set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the out I thought you were talking about came later. Oh. Which one? <laughs> oh, about Nicole Kidman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. No, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> would it have been okay? Yeah, I don't think that would have been okay. <laughs> uh, no, not that. I do like the little detour of the... Uh, do you guys remember what like the sport was called? The the extreme field hockey thing? It was like stickball oh, or something. Remember. I don't know. That was, that stickball. Was... <laughs> We're going to play some stickball. That was, was an like interesting little scene. And Ys in the, in the words like stajikball or something. It was J in the middle of it. Yeah, apologize for not knowing uh, the name of that. It was interesting. I don't... John Madden uh, announcing. 
Who were they? Who were they playing against? Because they were the slaves of Fiona and his people. Who were they playing against? I thought I they think were it was just like free people that were play, volunteering for this. the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what was confused me because at first I thought they were perhaps like other slaves, but then like when the prince runs onto the field and he wants to score, and that like large man like goes to whack the ball into his head i'm like who is this guy that he would just like brutalize the prince like yeah, well, they're just like hey don't do that hey what are you doing yeah although i don't, he wasn't a prince anymore because fiona wasn't the rule he got kicked out but the, the the son of the leader of the group i didn't like why is that guy doing that that's what i missed but he was stopped. i don't know <laughs> you gotta write to that guy why'd you do that I mean- they did. They did congratulate uh, Amleth for protecting him. So I have no idea what that guy was. True. I mean, it, it was effective in the sense, like, oh, he was protecting his brother, and it, you know, gained him greater favor with the the family. But yeah, now I'm very curious about that. Uh, you guys remember the scene where like all the dogs of the village turn on everybody? Mm, like when Fiona's dog starts going after him. Oh yes, okay, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. And Amethyst. So my question to you guys is, what's one animal species that you would want as an army at your command, anytime you want? Uh, just like, at, like, I, do I have to have them following me, or like I can <laughs> command them? <laughs> that is an important difference. What do you like? They need to be proximal to you. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would assume you'd have to see them to know what they're doing. Because I'd say elephants. Like, they could mess them. <laughs> but you can't just, like, go in. You can't, like, go shopping with a herd of elephants. <laughs> but why would you need an animal army for shopping? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, 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 I'm assuming. I'm asking. Are they following me around? Or is this just, like, or is it they're, they're, they're at the ready no, when I need them? It's not, like, 24 hours a day. It's whenever you <laughs> oh, need them. Then, yeah, then elephants. You know what? I, I would pick. Uh, I would pick seabirds. Oh, okay. Because if oh, anyone like kills the one of them, then, then they'll be cursed with bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> that... Bad luck to kill a seabird. Yeah, to really like just whip a seabird around until it doesn't move anymore. <laughs> That's... More tall tails. Boom. <laughs> if I were to pick a land one, definitely probably bears. They are terrifying and they can do everything. In the sea, probably jellyfish. In the Ooh. sea? Why are you waging war in the sea? What is going on? So many wars have been waged in the sea. But, like, not people swimming. Jellyfish aren't going to do anything against boats. I would push people off the boat, and they would go into a herd of box jellyfish, and they'd be done. And they'd be like, let me back on the boat. And I'd be like, okay, going to be good? And they would go, yeah. And that'd be it. <laughs> That's okay. It's a strategy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a strategy. That's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> and hey, if you guys ever need help from the box jellyfish army, then you just call me. Uh, so, as I mentioned, as Matt mentioned, we were not like a hundred percent. We were a little in and out of the movie. But what really like made me sit up straight in my seat uh, was the mother scene where he goes in, reunites with his mother. <laughs> And we learned that um, he was conceived forcibly from his father to his mother, that she was a slave that he took for a wife, and that she really loved Fiona all along. And not only that, but basically she's like, I don't, I disowned you, I wanted you dead, because I love my other son. I, I was like, this is crazy. Because these are all his beliefs that Amleth has spent his entire life, you know, plotting revenge on and now they're just shattered and it leaves this wide open question of when everything you know is a lie what do you do from there what can you do no i agree and i think this is where like it took like the like kind of like a fresh take on revenge we've seen so many times of like oh revenge is bad and it causes bad things we've seen that done to death but this kind of like it took it to like he he didn't see it as just a revenge mission it was kind of a revenge in saving his mother, and then it turned that on its head and was like, you're not saving her, you're destroying her happiness for the first time, like, she's happy. And I think that was really interesting. 
and mm-hmm. he's kind of too far deep at that point to do like to change it. So I thought that worked really well. Yeah, I absolutely love that. It opened like it also like destroyed his idea of faith because not faith, fate, because now it leaves open the door to running away with Olga. And he's stuck between these two worlds of, you know, the track that he's been on or the one he's going to. So I absolutely love that. Well, and I think this is effective at what I said earlier as well. Like the, you know, this kind of, this did give him like, hey, well, I can abandon this because like I'm not saving her. And yet still, he still ends up on the track of what his fate was. And I think that was, that was well done as well. Yeah. Uh, when he kills her later, first he kills Fiona's older son. And then when he goes, when he kills his mother, stabs her in the heart, she says, thank you. Am I correct about that? Believe you are. Yeah. What do you think she meant by that? I had no idea. Is she finally at peace? I guess so. That's kind of how I took it. Well, I think it was kind of like her family's destroyed. Oh, okay. Kind of like, yeah, take take me out of this. Like, um, she also kind of like she was willing to give up what she had with Fionnur for him. So it's kind of like almost she was just seeking an opportunity, like of what kept her in power, and just kind of like when she was dead, she's like, okay, I don't have to worry about that. Mm. Like, so thanks for freeing me from like. Like what, like seeking power in this world almost. The fight on the volcano. Um, Can we just talk one second about the the, the little brother jumping out of the, the no, cabinet and just? <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of stabs. A lot of them. Many stabs. There's no way he was still living after that. Or at least like weakened. He was just like his adrenaline well, was well, pumping. It's because it's, it's a little kid, so the stabs probably aren't going that deep. <laughs> Still, <laughs> penetrated with a know. dagger like thirteen I, times. I don't know. I didn't question it that much. That's Julius Caesar level. So I didn't turn around at two. No, this I is Hamlet. I know this is Hamlet, but that's <laughs> we're mixing Shakespeare plays here. That was Julius Caesar level stuff. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I was surprised too. Maybe he would have won the volcano fight had he not been stabbed. I think that was the implication. He was weakened by it. Yeah. I like the volcano fight a lot. Um, Me too. I wasn't like... My eyes weren't like bulging out of my head as maybe I expected to. But I thought it was a satisfying ending. I was like, ah, they're they're nude now. (laughs) Yeah. They also like (laughs) went to great lengths to not show any male genitalia. (laughs) What? (laughs) They're nude now? They're nude now. <laughs> They're nude now. Oscar <laughs> I usually hate people talking in a movie theater, but if somebody else in the theater had had that conversation out loud, that would have been Ima- Imagine like six different groups having that conversation. Yeah. Like three different. They're nude now? They're nude now? They're nude. <laughs> wow, they were nude throughout several other points in the film, so it wasn't as shocking. Yeah, is that? I, I, see, I'm I'm a fan of um, like Norse mythology and stuff. I did not realize most of this had to be done nude. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mind it. It was fine. Yeah, I mean. Also, I just was confused when he's like, "Meet me at the gates of hell." I thought he meant like when we're dead. Like, oh. we're going to have, like, I'll see you in hell kind of thing. I didn't realize, like, you meet me on this volcano. Oh, no, they had referenced <laughs> it before with the volcano. Um, it looks really cool. And then Fiona is decapitated. And which, Amleth is stabbed through the chest. Which the decapitation was the worst CGI I've ever seen. His whole neck was gone. <laughs> like, he looked like an alien figure falling down. I was just like, what was that? Like, Amleth cuts his- deep. You know what? You know what? The the fight itself I enjoyed. It gave me it gave me like Revenge of the Sith vibes. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. And you know, I was waiting for Amleth to be like, Fjolnir, I have the high ground. <laughs> he cuts his legs. <laughs> I hate you <laughs> Yeah, no, it would be the other way around. Fjolnir would be like, It's over Amleth. <laughs> I have the high ground. <laughs> well, then uh, would we get Darth Amleth? After that, he would be rebuilt. That's the sequel. That's the Northman 2. 
<laughs> the Northman strikes back. <laughs> this is this is unrelated to this current discussion, but what was the uh significance of arranging the men he cut to pieces into a horse on the wall? Was that I say? didn't even that went too fast. I didn't even realize it was a horse. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a horse shaped of all the torsos and arms and legs of the men he cut up. I didn't know why he did that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for being covert, he was took it must have taken a bit to do that. Yeah, it must have taken a while, I'd imagine. I have no idea. That, that's true. I didn't even realize that was a horse. Uh, any final thoughts on the Northmen? I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, not exactly what I was expected, but very uh, actually good in ways that I didn't expect, so props to that. Yeah, I say if you've ever challenged someone to a home gang at the gates of hell, you'll you'll enjoy this movie. You'll you'll really relate to it. Yeah, and also, <laughs> if you are that person, props on making it. You're back. Yeah, good, you good for you. Congrats. <laughs> Your neck didn't disappear. Enjoy Valhalla. Yeah. Valhalla. <laughs> well, if you have any thoughts about the Northmen, Robert Eggers, anything else, you can write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. Please, if you like the show, it really helps us out. Spread the word. Tell a friend, a fellow movie lover. Rate and review on all your favorite podcast platforms, apps. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. And our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me over at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus. And you can find me on Letterboxd at Tyler96. And I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallet and on Letterboxd at MGallet. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time. To Valhall. Stay down to bone, guys. <laughs> Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallet, Tyler Sutkiss, and Matt Sturdivant. Additional editing by Matt Sturdivant. Intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay. Logo design by Nathan Seidel.